Trigger warnings include abuse, mentions of underage sex, pedophilia, homophobia, dubious consent, cheating, racism, biphobia, domestic abuse slash violence, suicide, gore, drunk driving, alcoholism, abortion, and death. Bonnie heard that it was recording and she said, I have to join the show. I have to be part of it. I have strong feelings about Evelyn Hugo. Me too. And I... I'm, you know, the more I sit with it, the more feelings I have. Uh-huh. Um, so it'll be interesting to talk through them. Mm-hmm. Because, Out loud. Open yes. therapy hour. Yes, because we normally don't text whenever we have, like, stuff on the podcast because we want to save those thoughts for here. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. Things have just been brewing, you know? Brewing. Absolutely. (laughs) I have been going on a journey. Should we say hello to the people first? Hi! Hello. Welcome to this month's discussion. We're doing The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Uh, Jenkins Reid. It is one of the most popular books on BookTok. Am I wrong? mm -hmm. You're not wrong. Sorry. I nodded. (laughs) God. People are going to think you disagreed. (laughs) Uh, I bought a paperback copy to annotate in because the first time I read the book, I listened to the audiobook version, which I think is a different experience, but we'll talk about that. Anyway, my paperback version has one of those unable to remove stickers that are actually just printed onto it, which I hate. Of course. Say there's over a million copies sold. So that's wild. Great. Um, Two of those million are me. So I don't know if (laughs) One of them is me. I don't know if it helps, but... (laughs) Actually, you know what? I think I listened to it on Libby the first time, so I don't think I. How one dare you? Just one also, download Libby if you if you haven't already. No, and you know what? No one books. no one explains what Libby is. Okay, <laughs> everyone just says that and like they're like Libby. It's good for for me. No, you don't understand. It's they help you if you don't have a library card, which I get it. First of all, going to the library is scary, mm-hmm. and the reason it is is because librarians can be scary sometimes. <laughs> Hey, you've ever had to sign up for a library card? There's like a whole form. I don't mm-hmm. want to do that. Libby helps you sign up for it if you don't have one. And then if you do already have one, it's an app and also a website. Their website actually works mm-hmm. really well, too. I've read books on my big monitor before. Oh, it's so good. Especially <laughs> with my gla- especially when I have my contacts in. I can like, uh-huh. get my face real close to my giant monitor. And it's very helpful. Oh, that's healthy. It's There's a reason my eyesight's bad. <laughs> and it's not just genetics. Anyway, Libby is an actually fairly good platform. Like, I love it's, it. It's not a bad app. The app is fairly easy to use, and you can just take out books from your local library, and then you don't have to worry about returning them because they just automatically take it back from your shelf when you're done. I grew mm-hmm. up listening to audiobooks from the library, and the worst thing in the whole world was that I'd be done with them right away, and then i have to drive back we're not sponsored by Libby. We don't have nope. enough listeners for that. But we do love Libby. <laughs> and no one, And when I first saw it on Book Talk, no one explained to me what it was. They're just like, oh, Libby, you get free books. And I'm like, that sounds like a scam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A weird app from... No, it was... Anyway, sorry. Mm-hmm. No, it's great. I love this discourse. It's... Well, Libby it's like... is perfect. <laughs> you know what's not perfect? This book. Sorry, it's yeah. not a good segue. It wasn't a great segue for me. It wasn't a perfect segue, if you will. But I want to talk about it, so I'm going to start talking about it. Are you ready? Don't you want to talk about your Barnes & Noble experience? Or oh, is that- oh, yeah, I do, actually. You know what? Yeah, I do. Thank you for reminding me. I was going to so forget welcome. all about it. 
here's the thing. The first time I read the book, I listened to the audiobook version. And not not only did I listen to the audiobook version, I set myself, we've talked about it before, we have reading goals for the year. Because I read so much nonfiction for my work uh, with Jewitches and for other things, I have to set specific amounts of nonfiction of um of fiction books that I'll read throughout the year because otherwise I will only read nonfiction and I'll lose the thing that I love because I love to read and it's always very sad when I can't so mm-hmm. unless I have some sort of a thing to motivate me to do all the reading I'll just get bogged down by reading nonfiction so last year I had to read 36 books in like 26 hours <laughs> because I obviously didn't do I didn't reach I didn't read enough books for my goal so I had to finish uh-huh. the goal. So I read like 36 books in was it like 20 30 30 something hours. I went for it. It was great. Uh-huh. Here's the thing. The Seven Husbands I'm pretty sure that I read Evelyn Hugo during that during that nuts time of me reading too many books at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I liked it, and then I talked to a friend about it, mine, and they were like, you did not like that book. When you first uh-huh. read it, you didn't seem to like it. And I'm like, what? I didn't? Okay. <laughs> All right, sure. But then we went on our Instagram. Wait, where am I going with this? You were talking about your Barnes & Noble. Noble. Yeah, your Barnes & Noble experience. Where you're... Wild. I'm getting off yeah. track. Let's go back to Barnes & Noble. <laughs> Point is, I listened to it on audiobook. That went down a different path entirely, but we'll, we'll get where we need to go. And so I wanted to get a paperback book so I could auto an- annotate it, annotate mm-hmm. it. But I forgot to do it during the week because I was really busy. And then yesterday was Shabbos. So I went today. And obviously, I picked up a bunch more things than I need. I got like six or seven books. And I was really excited because I found a couple Jewish fiction books that I was really wanted to get. And I put them in a little basket. And then I had to use the restroom because it's Barnes & Noble. So obviously, I had to use the restroom. <laughs> I walked towards the little area. And they have... Uh, merchandise detectors like metal detectors and there's a big sign that says please leave your merchandise or unpurchased merchandise outside the restroom so what do I do I set my basket down I go in I wash my hands I come out I'm done I've been gone for less than five minutes and what did they do they whisked away my basket they stole my (laughs) my basket of books and then no one had it and my basket was just gone why have a sign to say leave your merchandise outside if you can't leave your merchandise outside it's ridiculous. What kind of books did you have in there? Do you remember? Oh, I had so many good books. Yeah, actually, I do remember. I do, I do remember. Uh, one, I had a different, it was a new Jewish encyclopedia, which I haven't. I wanted to pick up a copy of because I've had people asking for uh, my opinion on it. And I tried to get an online copy. The online copy did not work. Um, I found one was a modern Jewish uh, romance. Another one was a historical Jewish family story that covers four different generations which i was really excited about um i picked up emily henry's book lovers here's the thing oh I, i've heard about that one i saw it on book talk and that's yeah. why they got me again just like evelyn hugo got me here's the thing i think god was protecting me because i can't get through beach read Ooh. i have been trying to get through that book for literally go i think i started it last december mm-hmm. it's june <laughs> that book is less than 300 pages i can read less than 300 pages in like less than an hour i yeah. can't get through this book i can't do it i don't know why so point is maybe i don't like emily henry henry's writing so maybe that was god protecting me mm-hmm. uh and then i think i had i picked one up oh my local barnes and noble or oh, one of them there's a couple but one of them just did a redo so now Ooh. 
You've been there. We went there. Uh, you know how the YA was upstairs before? Up the escalator? Maybe. Okay. It oh, yes, upstairs. yes, yes. It was huge. Yeah. Right. But now, do you remember how in the back of the store there was like a music section mm-hmm. and the DVD section? Yeah. They replaced all that <laughs> um, because CD naturally are no more. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so they redid that entire downstairs section to be YA and fantasy and modern. Oh, fiction, heck yeah. Which is super exciting. Yeah. Um, I picked up a book from there. I don't remember what it was. It was. I wanted to get The Merciless Ones by Namina Forna, which is the oh, yes. Gilded Ones. Couldn't find it, and I was too sad to ask for help. <laughs> they all looked real busy today, talking into their little earpieces, so I wasn't uh-huh. going to bother anybody. What am I going to do? Bother someone? No, they're just stealing <laughs> baskets. Um, Did you get any books? I bought, well, after that, I was bummed out. I had already done yeah. my whole, I'd already gone up and down the stairs, and with my uh-huh. knees, oh my god, at one point, I did bend down. I made the mistake of squatting, and I couldn't get back up with my knees. Oh, no. It was really bad. <laughs> anyway, uh, I was so glad the shelves didn't fall down on me as I, like, grabbed onto them to get back up. Oh, my I left God. my cane in the car. Whatever. Point it. I didn't think I'd be sitting down. <laughs> anyway. Uh-huh. Um, no, I didn't buy any books. I did, however, buy a new notebook. Why is my shelf of notebooks, unused <laughs> notebooks over there not enough? No. I want a new one because I want to take my Materia Medica, which is, like, my herbalism. Uh, uh-huh. Materia Medica is like a dictionary, but for herbs. I want Very to take cool. mine from my Google Docs, and I want to put it into a notebook. And I got this really big one that has 160 pages, so I can dedicate one page per herb. Oh, I'm heck yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, yes. And it was on sale. Perfect. So, we love sales. You know. <laughs> anyway, I only got that and Evelyn Hugo, which I guess God did save me money, but... Very sad still. Yeah, devastating. And now you all had to hear about it <laughs> for 15 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah, that was that, that whole spiel. Um, What else? You know, going back to, like, whenever you were talking to your friend about Evelyn Hugo and how oh, they yeah. said that, that you didn't like it. Now, see, you told me that you liked it, and it was... Right. Well, apparently I put it in our round... When, so when we first started our instagram for the i10 book club which you should follow if you don't follow it go follow mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. um let me pull it up one of the first things that we did was our top five books of 2021 here's the thing i struggled to find five books because there were some that i really loved like honey girl by morgan rogers we both oh, that liked so good it's a great mm-hmm. book um i really liked who is maude dixon um, and I re- they both die at the end. I thought it really tugged at the heartstrings. Some people either love it or hate it, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's a controversial one. <laughs> and then I added The Last True Poets of the Sea because I thought that was a cute, like, family story. Mm-hmm. And then I also threw in The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. I don't remember that, but I, sh- I guess I did. I guess I, I didn't remember it either, and I made it. <laughs> <laughs> you made the infographic? Yes. Wait, January 1st, we put that one up. Um, so I don't remember what I like I guess maybe Mm -hmm. that was one of my top books but frankly how how anyway yeah (laughs) how I don't know maybe I was lying maybe I just needed five books and I'm here's the thing that we'll learn about me once a week I ask Kenzie if I'm too picky about books and once a week Kenzie tells me no 
I don't think you're too picky. And then we shake head. We just like nod and we move along. You can confirm. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I also, we've talked about this before where you, I think that you might just have higher standards, which is completely fine. And as you should, because some of these books are not good. <laughs> well, apparently I don't have high standards because I put this one. Anyway, um, I have I have a lot of feelings about it because I can see why I did like it. I can see like there are aspects where I, that I really enjoyed. But I also mm-hmm. think that the, there were parts of it that I didn't pay attention to. And this is something that I'm, I want to touch on because we talk a lot about critical consumption Mm-hmm. But there are times where I don't consume things critically or I consume things under an incorrect lens of understanding. And you can read something first, like read something, not critically consume it, and then go back and change your opinion, which is mm-hmm. a shocker. Changing an opinion. It's amazing. With information. <laughs> yeah. So how did you first hear about this book? TikTok? Mm-hmm. You're drinking from your mason jar. You're drinking from yeah, your Yeah, here's the thing. Shirt. I left my water bottle that I normally drink out of at my nephew's birthday party no. like last weekend. Yeah, and I couldn't get it back, but I'm going to my sister's this weekend, so I'm going to get it back. Thank goodness, because I'm sick of drinking out of mason jars. I'm a mason jar girly now, but I don't want to be. You've always um, been a mason jar girly. That corner cabinet is chock full <laughs> of old pasta jars. But I don't use them. <laughs> I know. Why do you have them all? You just can't throw them out. You can't get your... Yeah. You should, you should put them outside to catch all the Arizona rain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you can catch all the dust that Bucky's digging up in there. Oh, my gosh. I could actually use it again instead of it flying into the air and disappearing forever. For, literally. God. <laughs> Anyways, I forgot what we were talking about. I said, how did you find Evelyn Hugo? Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, so it was from Book Talk. Everybody Ugh. on Book Talk was ra- like just raving and about it. And I was like, I want to read that. And it's historical fiction, which I really enjoy historical fiction. Now, see, I already posted a video about this on our I10 Tink Tonk. If y'all want to um, follow, it's just I10 Book Club. Um, and I rated it 3.75. And it's so, it wasn't okay. the best thing ever for me. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I don't think I, I think I only gave one or two books five stars last year, but I also didn't tr- bother tracking my star ratings last year, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to this year, which I have a two, I have a two different ranking systems. I have my yes. hearts and my stars. Um, I don't know what I rated it last year, but apparently mm-hmm. high enough to be on my top five. <laughs> just baffling. Well, okay. Also, we talked about this before, how we probably just read bad books last year. I did. I did read a lot of... I read so much bad... So many bad books. So much bad fiction. I, especially in that last mad dash of the last 36 mm-hmm. books, thinking back on some of them, boy, were they bad. Boy, <laughs> were they not good. They really... They re- I, I still think about some of them. Like, they creep up on me, and I'm like, ugh. Ooh. Uh-huh. <laughs> just a physical reaction. <laughs> and hey, look. Maybe it's just not my cup of tea. But some mm-hmm. of them aren't anyone's cup of tea because they're barely shelved on anyone's Goodreads and yes. the reviews are bad. Yeah. <laughs> so when you Google really short, fun stories, sometimes you'll get really short, bad stories. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I went there for, I think it was in January. When I just wanted to get like a bunch of books done. So I was ahead. Yep. Um, I read like a bunch of short books that I found on TikTok. 
Oh. Which, you know. We have a whole podcast <laughs> called TikTok Recommendations Are Bad. Yes. So. Yes. Um, I don't remember most of them because they were like two, like two hours long and I listened to them at two times speed. Yep. So. No, that's not I, what what are you gonna listen at regular speed? They, no. <laughs> no, no. They might have been good. Who knows? <laughs> hey, and if you listen at regular speed or slower, that's totally fine. That's not a judgment. Yes. I want to make that very clear. Um, I guess it's fine. For our can <laughs> sorry. I'm saying for our neurodivergent brains, <laughs> listening at regular speed is like biting into styrofoam. It just doesn't work. It's too slow. Um, yeah. So I also found it from Book Talk. But here's mm-hmm. the kicker. Here's a wild little ad- horrible experience I had to have. When I first read the, like, saw the book, mm-hmm. it was in one of those book talk recommendation videos where it's insert whatever, here's the recommendations for it. And it was in queer authors of color, own voices. And if people, you're not familiar with own voices, own voices is a term, and this is as far as I understand it, so maybe I'm wrong. Own voices is, as far as I understand it, people writing about their own experiences, even in a fictitious lens. So for example, a queer person writing queer stories, a Jewish person writing Jewish stories, that's me using my own identities, but own voices is a person of a marginalized identity writing about their own experiences and therefore highlighting and boosting and platforming people of that experience who have for so long been uh, not allowed to write and have been in many ways blacklisted and pushed out of the publishing industry. So when I saw a book that was a queer own voices book featuring two main characters of color written by, as per that video, a person of color, I was like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. adding that to my TBR. Ding dong, the author is straight and white uh, and also (laughs) cisgender. So they're not from the LGBT community and they're white. So I don't know what prank was being played in that video, but I went into it. I went into it with a very different idea of who mm-hmm. the author was and therefore the perspective that they were giving to the book. Mm-hmm. Because there's a difference between someone writing about like their experiences versus someone on the outside just writing. Yeah. Um, which has definitely changed the way I look at certain things that are done in the book. Mm-hmm. I look like I belong in an era where they wore, where they wear wigs to cover their real hair. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my anyway. God. Kind what? of speaking of that, I watched Shape of Water yesterday. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> hey. How was it? What did you um, think? So we talked about it whenever I came out there like last year or something. Um and how yeah, he was I definitely t- <laughs> he was more fish than man. And I was like, yeah, he for sure is. Hey, that one scene with the uh demonstration yes. <laughs> of how things are happening i've sent that gift to so many people <laughs> just to, to explain what's going on uh-huh. um it and was i also fine. told you how i watched that in theaters with no no idea what was happening in it right i had no warnings nice. i just saw that octavia spencer was in it and i was like that sounds fine let's watch that uh-huh. one <laughs> and the main actress was great did a fantastic job <laughs> except for the, you know she might be the the uh, headliner of the monster romance yes genre. that's what i was thinking because most of these monster romances are at least partly man like they can pat maybe not pass as a man no. but like 
No. They are a little bit, they look more like a human than they uh -huh. do monster most times. Uh-huh. So I think I just was thrown through a loop a little. <laughs> you were thrown by the gills and the f scales and the fishiness and the, of it all? the eyes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> hey. Hey. It's all a little bit baffling, but um, yeah. they can't all be the Easter Bunny, right? That's so true, Bestie. Um. <laughs> right. Um, let's walk away from monster romance. Okay. And get back to monsters of a romance. Oh, In this book. that was a good one. <laughs> you know, one day, when this is the biggest book, to book podcast in the world, I'm going to look back on that moment and cry. As you said, mm, that was a good mm. one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, do you want to... Okay, should we read out the trigger warnings? Who wants it? I can do it because it's right here. <laughs> I'm also okay. looking at the document. I oh my am gosh. prepared today. I, told I love you. that. I showed up with more than just my opinions. <laughs> I showed up with preparation. <laughs> well, you normally do it, so I can do it. I don't mind. Okay, great, because I don't want to do it. Okay, cool. So there's quite a bit of trigger warnings for this one. Um, there's abuse, mentions of underage sex, pedophilia, homophobia, dubious consent, uh, cheating, racism, and biphobia. And regular homophobia, too. Oh, yeah, I already said homophobia. Oh, it's I didn't know twice on the was... document. Yep, yep, I didn't know that until I was reading it out. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I'll say there's a little, there's victim blaming, domestic violence. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. I want to be clear, when it says abuse, because abuse is kind of a general term, but mm -hmm. yeah, so those are those those are the general warnings for this book. So if those are things that make you uncomfortable or things that you don't feel comfortable and confident listening to, skip this one. Mm -hmm. Just skip this one. Um, we'll be back with our jokes in another book very shortly. <laughs> so you can always yes. just wait till the next one. I did not read the list of the trigger warnings before this book. Did you, Bestie? You know, we always talk about that. <laughs> it's the reason why we say trigger warnings in the beginning because most of the time we like i don't read it. a lot i forget to i forget yes and then i get surprised i'm like why wasn't this told to me before which i could have looked <laughs> it up <laughs> i could have googled it but they told me all the key high points in a tiktok so i wish that exactly they just, you know you and me we should we should do weekly trigger warnings on tiktok just put all the trigger warnings for books into one little video i would be so down let's do it I okay. new segment coming to I10 Book Club <laughs> TikTok very soon. Yeah, I didn't read the trigger warnings for this book. Um, mm. Mm, didn't like it. Didn't like that. Didn't like that. Mm -mm. Uh, it was. It was kind of a lot, frankly. Yeah, and it yeah. keeps up throughout the whole book. There isn't really too much of a time where you don't have one thing or the other. And look, if it's not a trigger for some people, that's fine if they're okay reading it. But. There are certain parts of this book that just don't do it for me. Yeah. Um, before we jump into it, I do want to acknowledge that, again, this is a story that is written by a cisgender heterosexual, as far as we know, right? This is not mm -hmm. a... The author, as far as we know, is a cisgender heterosexual white woman. Mm -hmm. The main characters of this book are a biracial woman and a Cuban uh, bisexual woman. Mm -hmm. And there are many well-versed, well-thought-out critiques 
of the way that race is written about in this book, the way that biracial identity is acknowledged in this book. Um, at one point, I think I wrote it down, on page 123, there are comparisons being made between being bisexual and being biracial, which are two experiences this, this author does not have, again, mm-hmm. as far as we know. Um, and there are a lot of really well-thought-out critiques on both TikTok, uh, Instagram, I'm assuming, but also articles, if you Google it, uh, that are written by people who do hold those identities. And I do want to platform those because even though I am queer, I don't have any experience in the world of being biracial, and therefore I have no mm-hmm. voice to be sharing on this matter at all. But I do want to highlight people who do before we dive in. Okay. That was it. For sure. Nice. Amazing. Um, Valid. What did you think? Starting with the cover, what do you think of the cover, Bestie? I think it's fine. <laughs> I think I say that a lot where things are just fine. Like, I don't really have an opinion on it. I think. Really? I don't know what I think. Well, I don't like it. So there's that. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. I've seen fan art I like better. I just, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of this cover. There is another cover where the main character is like laying down and their dress yes. is kind of like spooling out. I like that one a lot more. Oh, that was a bad thing. <laughs> Did you not like that one? <laughs> no, I tried to uh, I tried to open a new tab in Google, but I was oh. in the Zoom window. And so it started trying to take a screenshot, and I was frozen on the screen making that face. It was freaking oh, me out. Oh, perfect. Okay, okay. Wait, <laughs> I thought you get an like ASMR it. moment. <gasps> Ruined with my gasp. Sorry. <laughs> they come here for ASMR. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't like either of the covers, frankly. For sure. I love a good bodice ripper. Also, the people Mm -hmm. who are saying that we should cast Margot Robbie as Evelyn Hugo. What are you on about? What are you talking about? (laughs) Why? It's that erasure again. It's it's out here. (laughs) It's baffling. Like, okay, this. Okay, wait. Let me send this to you. Uh, This is a fan. I believe this. Like, I think that's a better cover. Ooh, yeah, right? I do like that one. Yeah, it's a pop art style. I think it's cute. I think it's, yes. I, I I am in most cases with uh, with some notable exceptions, not a picture on the cover kind of person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't, and, and picture of a person on the cover, I want to make that clear. Pictures, fine. People, fine. Pictures of people. Mm-hmm. I just think that I either prefer no no imagery at all just words i mm-hmm. love a good har- a fabric book with <laughs> metal lettering on the front Ooh. Mm-hmm. okay i have to show a picture of my favorite book cover of all time is nicolas it's a french children's book like a children's chapter book that mm-hmm. i was gifted when i was a child looking back there's a even at the not even looking back even at the time very questionable uh-huh. Not, I'm not recommending the book. I'm just saying the design. <laughs> it has an enamel, you know, enamel pins. Mm-hmm. It has fabric cover on the cover, metal lettering, and then there's a cutout to like an enamel pin that's mm-hmm. been like stuck in there, but it's not actually an enamel pin of a little of the character, the main character. This is so very like cute. a metal. Co- it's it's a perfect cover. If I <laughs> that's the, anyway, so we can get off the cover page and into the actual book. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we can just start at the top. I made a little document again. Um, The reporter, okay. So my first bullet point, I immediately have stuff to say because 
the ending is revealed why this happened. Oh, spoilers. Okay, go. Yeah, this is major spoilers, dude. <laughs> if you're okay with spoilers, stick around. Mm-hmm. If you're boring, just kidding. Oh my god. <laughs> hey, you were mean earlier. I have my moment now. So. Okay, so the reporter being the least known in the company but being chosen by Evelyn Hugo, I wrote amazing the first time I heard it because I was like, that's cool. The reporter um, is one of the main characters, Monique. Yes. I love we get to see Kenzie's evolution through this book as she figures <laughs> out the twists and the turns. Oh, oh, I remember one of the reasons. I remember one of the reasons. Um, yes. Okay, so here's the thing. Not to be that person, because everyone wants to be that person. And I do too. But normally I can spot a twist coming before it happens. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's just what most people do. I didn't spot this specific twist. I knew there was something coming, but I didn't, I didn't spot it at all. And I think that's why I liked the book. Because mm-hmm. I like to be surprised. Yes. Because you can That's attest, the- I usually find that I usually get the twist before it happens. And I'm like, yes. oh, yay. Mm-hmm. Oh, goody. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh, no. Who could have seen that coming? Uh-huh. Everyone. Anyone yeah. who was watching and not just eating french fries in the corner. Like, I, we all saw that happen. Anyway. <laughs> um, I didn't like this twist at all. I don't like no, the, what they did. No. Um. I'm just going to say the ending of why Monique was chosen because it is the ending of the book, but because she was chosen and I wrote it as the bullet point, we're going to go over it now. Um, So Monique was chosen because Evelyn's ex-husband at the time, but also her bestie was in a car crash and he was a drunk, I think he was drunk driving. I'm 90%. Yeah. Yeah. And he was with this guy. Um, and they were in a little relationship, even though the other guy had a family and whatnot. And they got into a car crash. And maybe we, one of the trigger warnings should be drunk driving. Um. <laughs> we should probably go back and add that. Yes. I'll do the, we'll just, you can okay. use it. Additional trigger warning, drunk driving. Beautiful. You leave it in both times, too. People okay. get double the, double the warning yes. on this one. Um. <laughs> And so they crash, and Evelyn, of course, saves her ex-husband, her little bestie, but they don't save the other guy. And um, the, f- the father of her child. Isn't yes. It? It's Harry, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They save Harry, but they don't save the other guy, which Harry is her ex-husband. Um, so the guy that died is Monique's father, and she just learned that he was maybe bisexual and, like, in a relationship with a man. While also being in a relationship with her with her mother. Not I wanna also make it clear though, not only did not only did Monique have to find out that her father was cheating on her mother mm-hmm. with a man, which learning that your parent is of a different sexuality than you thought they were can be a, 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 tr- a tr- something to process. Mm-hmm. But that he died while in the car with the person that he loved, who was yeah. not her mother, and then Evelyn Hugo, world famous movie star, covered up the fact that he wasn't the driver and saved mm-hmm. her. Or he did. She didn't actually save his life because he died anyway. Yeah, Harry ends up dying, um, but covers it up, and so he dies a disgraceful death of like mm-hmm. drunk driving, which is a horrific yeah. thing. You know, it's a horrific death, uh, and lets them think that he died that way like lets the world and essentially Monique and her family and everyone else think that he died that way 
to pro- yeah. and to protect the person she loves without thinking necessarily of the consequences to everyone else. Now, see, um, and I think Evelyn does this a lot throughout the book, and I personally did not like Evelyn as a character. Um, I, so- yeah, she, I don't think that she was a good person. She did what she had to do to get to where she was. However, um, I don't think that excuses all the, everything she did. And she even says, like, in the book, Evelyn says something about, like, oh, I'm not sorry for what I did and, like, I don't regret it and she would do it all over again, which, you know, that's a choice. Um. <laughs> hey, there's what You know, that actually reminds me of a line. I highlighted it in the book. Um, if we go back to when she and Celia are first becoming friends, she says this, uh, you were going to use you. And Sailor's like, no, I wasn't trying to use you. And she says, do you know the difference between the two of us? What is it? I'm paraphrasing. I'm skipping through things. Mm-hmm. That I know I use people. I'm fine with the idea of using people. And all of that energy that you spend trying to convince yourself that you're not using people, I spend getting better at it. Like, Evelyn has no qualms with doing these things. Yeah. Um, and her sort of penance for what she did in her mind is giving Monique the story of her life and letting Monique reap the rewards, which is also extraordinarily selfish because the Mm -hmm. trauma of having to do that, the one you're making her work for it when you shouldn't, you're making her work for it. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It just, it just, it feels very icky throughout like the whole thing. And like, we do see Monique changing and like being more, like a little bit more selfish which she needed to be in her life at that time um however at the expense of learning about her father having to deal with evelyn and all that and like still going through like a divorce i think yeah that was just like also she has to break the news to her mother yes like she has to she has to bear the weight of that crushing trauma and Mm -hmm. in 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 exchange for it, sure, she gets a best-selling book that she has to write and sell. Yeah. So it's like, it's, I don't know, it's... Mm. <laughs> mm. See, did you make the best decision there that you could have made? Yeah. <laughs> did you make the best decision? Let's go to bullet point two. Okay. Um, I So I heard that this book was LGBT, um, but at that point I hadn't gotten to it. It's only, it starts being gay around the halfway point. It starts um, being gay at, um, you find out, well, actually, it's, it's earlier in the book than expected, mm. uh, on page 121 out of 380 or something, maybe? 385. On mm. page 121 is when you hear the first semblance of someone being gay. Otherwise, it's there's, there's a hint to it earlier in the book with a side character. Well, not a side character, Harry, but another <laughs> character. But you don't really get into the main details up in, in until the one twenties, mm-hmm. like the one thirties, really. Yeah, um, which is a lot of. There's a lot of dense background because you have to get through the first parts of Evelyn's career. If you haven't read the book, mm-hmm. the book is broken down into the into the husbands she's had and into the timeline. So you flash back between the modern day where Evelyn is agreeing to do interviews with Monique, and then you read from Evelyn's perspective 
back in time. So it starts when she's a kid in uh, in New York. Mm-hmm. And then it moves from there. And it moves through her husband. So her first husband was Ernie Diaz. It's mm-hmm. just not good. Yeah, I feel like a lot of these just really aren't great. <laughs> like, this is, I think this is going to be a very depressing, like... It's going to be not a super fun episode because, like, this whole book is... I mean, we're going to try to make it as fun as we can with the contents of this book being the way that they are. (laughs) Um, But Evelyn's life is just not good, I think. Like, she has a lot of trauma, I think, that she has to sift through and work out. But, my goodness, it is a lot to, to take in. It is a lot to take in. Um, okay. (laughs) Next. Next bullet point. Okay, so I said that Monique being divorced, there's meaning in that, but I don't know what and how that connects to Evelyn. Maybe the fact that they've both both lost people, which, you know, that could be it. Um, I kind of just wrote that down as a thought because Evelyn has been divorced seven times. (laughs) Did she actually get divorced the last time? I don't know. I think I think she's only been divorced been... six times. Oh, my I bad. He... My, my, my... <laughs> hey. <laughs> six is different than seven. That's so true. <laughs> Thank you. I'm great at math. <laughs> so it could just be like Monique's only had this one relationship where she loves somebody and she's getting divorced while Evelyn also like she went through relationships kind of quickly and married and got divorced kind of on a whim but also not it's she gets married and divorced semi-tactically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like i think it maybe shows the contrast between the two characters mm-hmm. if we don't get that enough in the whole book because monique just they say it you don't have to think about it at all <laughs> um, monique and the author say how different they are like all the time right. um and how monique is like learning from evelyn and stuff yeah um man let's see uh what did i write down oh um one of the very 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 early on in the book you see just sexual violence against her Mm -hmm. as a child and there's something that i specifically noted was she's 13 and I remember him saying in the dark, cramped stock room with my back against the wooden crate, you have this power over me. He convinced himself that his wanting me was my fault, and I believed him. Where it's really a s- talking about sexual violence as if it's the victim's fault, mm-hmm. and how the way that society is structured. And while this was obviously about the in the 40s, I believe, at this point, even now <laughs> there's still a culture of victim blaming and building society as if like as if the victims are the ones who have an inherent power and other people couldn't control themselves yeah and i think that this part does inform some of her later actions and the way that she treats other people Mm -hmm. because she writes it herself and i believed him i thought that i actually genuinely had this power and when she leaves to go to California with Ernie, she's 15. Mm-hmm. And also her, her father just lets him get married. Oh, hey. Yikes. All right. Well, we know that her father also was not abusive. a good man. Yeah. No, he was abusive yeah. in her own words, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still, uh, it's a harsh narrative to read, um, especially mm-hmm. when this book is not, I don't think it's marketed on TikTok in the way that it actually is. No. Which, and again, TikTok being bad at book recommendations, shocker. It's yeah. not like we have an episode about it or anything. <laughs> Yeah, like, the way that this book is marketed is, like, a queer romance. Hey, which fun Hollywood starlets. It'll be so cool and fun. Well, I'm not, not having fun. <laughs> Me either. It was just too much sometimes. And look, I actually do really enjoy darker books, so it's that can be fine. But I do think that the way that it's marketed as, like, romance. Nah. Mm, okay. Uh-uh. Uh, so then Evelyn moves to Hollywood and she leaves her husband after she gets a contract. They tell her to leave her husband. Mm -hmm. And she becomes a starlet. We also get this very uncomfortable line that I've seen called out specifically. Uh, this is on page 15. We're still at the very beginning. We gotta speed this along. We're at the beginning of the book still. Yeah. Um, but this is something that has been pointed out by a number of people who've called out the way that race is written about in this book. There's this line that says, Her tan skin next to her light hair looks beachy, but also elegant. I know it's not natural, hair that blonde with skin that bronze. And yet I can't shake the feeling that it should be, that humans should be born looking like this. Uh, and that's a line that's called out specifically about uh, by a number of people of color who have written about the way that race is written about in this book. Mm-hmm. Um because one of the things that happens when Evelyn goes to Hollywood is that she has to hide the fact that she's Cuban um, or Cuban American. And so mm-hmm. they change her name to Evelyn Hugo and they dye her hair bottle blonde and she becomes the starlet that she is through that erasure, which was very mm-hmm. common in Hollywood at the time. Like, yes. It was extremely common. So it's not unheard of, but, uh, Again, there's the question of whose story is this to tell mm-hmm. and who does the telling and how. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did you where did you put next on your list, friend? Um, I'm going to skip a few because I don't agree with them. Anymore. You don't agree with them anymore after you got to the end <laughs> yes. of the book? Yes. Yeah, the end of the book is um, a sharp 180 on some of these things. Yes. Um, so we do see how predatory Hollywood is throughout this whole book and how they really go for Evelyn, who is frankly just a teenager at that time and still a child and it's gross um and then we see evelyn and celia which i whenever i first read it i was like oh we stand a friendship that's great just gal pals (laughs) just gal palling around being the fun little gal pals um and it was probably like i I didn't mind her at first. I was like, oh, she's cute. That's adorable. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) The only character I think I liked was Harry. Yeah, Harry was wonderful. Not always, but a lot of the times. I thought he was chill. Oh, we also skipped over... So We're counting off the husbands. We skipped over husband number two, who is horrific. Oh my god, Don Adler. So Don Adler is horrible um and there's a lot of there's a lot of domestic violence and there's a lot mm-hmm. of what i think you wrote it somewhere the cycle of abuse mm-hmm. um specifically um you know violence apologies the honeymoon phase mm-hmm. 
violence, apologies, the honeymoon phase. And it's difficult to read. Yeah. Yeah. I said um, one of the bullet points says um, how Evelyn's dad was abusive. She got out of her first marriage before it became abusive because she saw the warning signs in that one. And then her third marriage was just straight up abuse. Um, not her fault. Obviously, men don't come out and say that they're abusive. Um, but it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> like, And especially, well, like, with her in the limelight, it's, like, she probably felt that she can't say anything because they're both famous. No, but. she does mention that in the book, how, like, there's nothing that she could say mm-hmm. without there being headlines. And when she... Uh, she didn't have a baby fast enough they had to fake a miscarriage because mm-hmm. people were talking about um her not being a good enough woman and you know failing him he wants a baby and she won't give him one and i think there is an interesting commentary on the way that media in general uh impacts the lives of specifically women and mm-hmm. how it turns uh turns personal life into public life and how that protects and it protects abusers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, <laughs> which one? <laughs> I got to Celia being uh, Evelyn's bi-awakening. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, this book has some fun, fun, fun biophobia in it. Uh, oh, for sure. But there's... Again, when I read this, I was under the impression that this author themselves was queer. So I thought there was, like, maybe pulling from their own experiences. Mm-hmm. Turns out they're, they're they're not openly queer, right? We'll say that yes. like, openly they're straight, and mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable making like commentary on people's sexuality or speculation on other people's sexuality. And obviously, straight authors can write queer characters, and queer authors can write straight characters. Um, but there are moments in this book when I look back at it, understanding that this isn't someone pulling from their own experiences, do kind of get a little weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think after learning that the author is, from what we know, white, straight, and cis, it is just, it reframes everything that you read. Yeah. And it's kind of, I don't know, it feels a little weird. Um, because, like, we love diversity here, right? We love it. Um, however, that representation in this may not be the best. Um, there has been some tiktok videos and stuff how the representation of latinx characters is just portrayed as awful stereotypes um Mm. and i think that's what the main thing is it's just like it's not good representation and i think that's kind of like what i'm conflicted with with a white author writing people of color and obviously you should include diversity in your books even if you are Mm -hmm. a straight white cisgender person you should include diversity in their books But choosing a book where your two main characters are going through very specific experiences that you have no idea about, mm-hmm. why are you choosing to make that the focus? With you have, you have two main characters here, and you're writing about two very sensitive things. There's tact that is missing at times. <sighs> I can speak about the bisexual part. Yes. How did you feel about it? Okay, this kind of goes into the next point where it's like um, being very conflicted over Evelyn marrying somebody for Celia. Like, I didn't think that that was right. And I know that she has a specific image that she needs to curate for people and how she needs to, like, get everybody's nose out of her butt. 
<laughs> but it's like it felt very icky and i can see why celia was so angry with it because you like say that you love this person and then they are willing to go and marry another person and like it's just it's weird to me obviously balancing the way that we talk about historical sexuality as opposed to modern Mm -hmm. sexuality is going to be different but i think that the way that uh their relationship is portrayed at times feels slightly voyeuristic yeah um and people far more eloquent than i have talked about how there are ways that the bisexual experience is very much made fantastical through this mm-hmm. um and you know what it kind of reminds me of i, I don't remember how much of Grey's anatomy you watched but <laughs> I, i've been i've been re-watching um <laughs> there's a character arizona robbins who is lesbian and her partner for a lot of the show is uh the character calliope torres mm-hmm. And Calliope is bisexual while Arizona is lesbian. And the amount of biphobia that there is from Arizona to Cali is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like, absolutely horrific. And one of the scenes in it is Cali's pregnant with someone else's child. But she's trying to get back together with Arizona. And Arizona's like, this is the bisexual dream. You get to have your perfect baby with this handsome man and you get to have your lesbian lover. Like where it's this kind of idea that like bisexuals want it all. And I feel like that this book kind of exemplifies that stereotype at times Mm -hmm. where we see outside forces on Evelyn's side. But at times it feels like Evelyn doesn't want to commit to just one thing and one person and there are, there are reasons given in the book, but sometimes it just feels a little bit like, can we please not have this trope again, this stereotype yeah. again? How many more bisexual characters do we need to see that just can't get enough? And it's such a stigmatizing one. Like, I don't think people realize bisexual women face so much violence, specifically bisexual women of color, too. So it's just... I think it could have been done in a different way. And obviously mm-hmm. the story is called The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And I know it's sh- I know it's called that. And it's shocking because guess what? She also had a wife. Da, 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 da. But like, it's just, it gets frustrating. And yeah. it, like, how many books do we really see? How many pieces of media do we really see where the bisexual woman has, has the freedom of not being entrapped in the stereotype of bisexuals are greedy? Mm-hmm. Or they want too much, or they can't commit, or they can't settle down, or they don't understand monogamy. Not that there's anything wrong with being non-monogamous, but bisexual is not synonymous with polyamorous or non-monogamous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just a. Uh... It's frustrating. <sighs> yeah. Um, I did write down whenever Celia and Evelyn got back together. I was happy that they did because they love each other. However, they are like not okay to each other. Like, no, nope, they, no, no, no. <laughs> they are very manipulative and treated is... terribly at times. Yes, like I wrote that Celia was just a mean person, and this is kind of where my opinion of her changed because we saw how mean that she could be. And Evelyn was just look like overlooking that because she loves her, but it's not okay at all. Also, That's... whenever oh. No, go. Your turn. Go. Okay. (laughs) Whenever Evelyn and Harry had the baby, 
and (laughs) just going back to that stereotype like of like bi women having it all quote unquote i mean gray's anatomy and evelyn hugo have this in common now yes (gasps) in gray's anatomy calliope torres is also uh latine (gasps) and uh mark sloan and arizona robbins are both white so Grey's Anatomy. Is this Grey Anatomy fan fiction? <laughs> if this is Grey's Anatomy fan fiction, I'm going to scream. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm going to have to do some research on this. <laughs> There's no way. You know what? I have been wanting to, you know those, uh, you know those like charts where they link everyone up? I want to look for Grey's Anatomy with who slept with each other because it's getting real complex. Yes. Like, oh, there's also there's another scene where like before she even knew them, Callie slept with someone else and they found out about it and Arizona's like, I don't want to see you, you slept with my girlfriend. Okay. What you're right. Also, <laughs> well, there's a sorry, not to get on my I hate Arizona Robbins train. No, you're I, fine. I am on my I hate Arizona Robbins train. Because at <laughs> one point, she's like you need to prove that you love me. What makes me different than George, who is, by the way, her first husband who uh, got hit by a bus and died. Oh, spoilers for Grey's Anatomy, which came out in 2000. So if you're not on that train already, uh, what makes me from Erica Hahn, the person who was her bisexual awakening, uh, Mark Sloan, her best friend that she had like a thing with, but like not romantically, just physically. Mm-hmm. And the girl at the coffee cart, you have a huge heart and that I love that about you, but I don't trust you. Because she's bisexual? You don't trust her because yeah. she's bi. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Ew. Just And, like, doesn't Mm-mm. Celia at some point impl- imply the same thing? Yes, she doesn't she trust does. her because she's bi? Yes. Okay. <laughs> what? Whatever. And I even said that, like, them having a baby, I feel like it's going to do something to their relationship because they have that streak of Celia getting mad over the men that Evelyn has been with. Well, because Celia and Arizona do the same thing of, like, the gold star lesbian, which Mm -hmm. is the idea that, like, the gold star lesbian is an extremely harmful idea, which actually, you know, I'm going to confirm with VO Google real quick because I don't want to cause, (laughs) don't want to spend any misinformation. (laughs) Um, According to Wikipedia, in LGBT slang, a gold star lesbian is a lesbian who has never had sex with a man, and a gold star gay is a gay man who has never had sex with a lesbian. These terms can be joking, sincerely held identities, or stereotypes within the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole... Uh, I just gave cookies to Cosmopolitan, apparently. Nice. Um, what kind? A, Sorry, that was a bad joke. <laughs> snickerdoodle. Um, which actually... I don't actually like snickerdoodles that much. It's just a strong opinion from me huh. right now, but... They're just... Thank you. I don't know. They're not. I feel like they're not really enough of their own... Maybe the ones I've had are just not that good, because there's going to be somebody <laughs> who tells me I'm wrong. Um... <laughs> So in this article, why is it so controversial? The term relies on the notions of, quote, purity and abstaining from cisgender men, which means that it can be wielded as biphobia or transphobia, which often leans on cissexist notions of gender. And it fails to take into account that many lesbians can be the victims of compulsory heterosexuality or assault. And Mm -hmm. the idea that the gold standard is like means that you can't you can't be trustworthy as a bisexual person why is it something that uh, is still being perpetuated? Yeah. And it's hey, look, good. you can still consume it uncritically. 
I know plenty of people who ship Arizona Robbins Cali Torres. Why? <laughs> I have no idea. Arizona cheats on her. Whatever. You know? No, no. The irony, the irony of Arizona. Sorry. Sorry. This is not a Grey's Anatomy commentary podcast, but it could be. Just me alone. Kenzie doesn't even watch Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I've watched like a lot of seasons. I think I went up to like season 10. But I don't remember Ugh. any of it. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's horrific. That show yes. is a landmine. Um, All right, I need to get off my I love Grey's Anatomy train. And go back and to go back this. to Evelyn Hugo. <laughs> yeah. So the point is, I think that there are I think that if this is written by someone who did does identify as bisexual, there'd be more nuance to it. Mm-hmm. But having this kind of heavy-handed meat-fisted kind of storyline being shared by someone who is not part of our community in any way mm-hmm. it feels like just perpetuating the trope as opposed to making insightful commentary on it yeah 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 evelyn wasn't kidding when she said everyone she loved died <laughs> <laughs> i just read that on the list okay we have to go back yeah. to we have to go back up on the top okay so evelyn was happy with her little fruple going on with um Celia, Harry, and then Celia's husband at the time. Um, But then... Uh Wait, what? No, go ahead. Um, But then, you know, Harry died. And... No, wait. I think Harry's husband died first. Harry's... Max. Yes. His name was. He died Uh, first, and then that kind of fell apart. Um, I think Celia divorced him at first because her and Evelyn got into a a little tiff and then they broke up so of course Celia had to cut ties with her husband and I have a another thing that comes up that I a plot line I completely forgot about tell me where she is in a movie with Don Adler remember her first her second husband who's hugely abusive and this causes a ton of problems between her and Celia because again bisexual women can't be trusted that old thing Mm -hmm. but also there's a line here on page 253 where monique is asking evelyn why she would take that part in the film why would Mm -hmm. you do that when you know it would be bad for your personal relationship when you one it's that's your abusive ex-husband and evelyn's saying how he wasn't doing well he had a bad life he divorced from his uh his wife that he'd married after, who was who was her first real friend in Hollywood, who's Ruby, but ended up being a fair weather mm-hmm. friend. Um, and so Monique says, so you felt bad for him, your abuser. And she says, relationships are complex, Evelyn says. People are messy. Love can be ugly. I'm inclined to always err on the side of compassion. I hate that line. And I hate it because there's a specific thing that says love can be ugly. Abuse is not love. Uh-uh. Violence is not love. Assault mm-hmm. is not love. Anyways, that threw the the whole little um, arrangement into a Roland, and they weren't together anymore. Um, and then I forget what happens in between, but then Harry dies, oh. which is heartbreaking. Yeah, rest in peace. Um, yeah. God, which husband is this one? Oh no, Max isn't has isn't. Uh, Harry's husband. That's who is it? That's her sixth husband. Is Max? Oh God! Right, I got, got them, it. I got. Them You're confused. fine. Hey, there's seven husbands. I'm <laughs> allowed to get some of them confused. Um, 
Oh, and this is the, hey, want to see some more biphobia? Uh, I don't feel comfortable using this slur, so I'm not going to. They do use the D slur. Uh, oh, yes. Quite heavily and loosely throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, this can be time to talk about that one there. Uh, he's like, wow, incredible. I married a, insert slur. Stop saying that, I said. Evelyn, if you have sex with women, you are a lesbian. Don't be a self-hating lesbian. That's not becoming. Yikes. Hey, yikes, bud. Yikes. And again, there's a difference between a person who's sharing their own experiences and their own understanding of sexuality through their own story. Mm-hmm. It feels different as a queer person to read those words written by another queer person expressing their experience, their understanding, their worldview of how uh, biphobia exists mm-hmm. versus seeing someone who's not part of our community say it at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Feels very weird. We can just skip to Harry dying. I feel like there's stuff in between that, though, right? What am I forgetting? I think so. I mean, her daughter goes all... That might have been after Harry died, though. Or her daughter we forgot, goes... We've, oh, she, has, she has two husbands before Harry. Oh. She has Mick Rivera. These just aren't very memorable. Yeah, I guess we should talk about that anyway. Because then she has the... She does the French movie... Oh, yes. Wait, well, here it is. What did you think about the way that Celia versus Evelyn dealt with homophobia and their image? Because I felt like they were obviously not a united front on it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I also feel that Celia had had no real conceptualization of the difference between her and Evelyn's experiences. And that's because Evelyn is a Cuban-American woman of color mm-hmm. who had to assimilate versus Celia being, in her own words, a rich girl from, a white girl from the South who's always yeah. had access to money and protection. And she didn't really have to uh, fight for her image mm-hmm. while Evelyn built it from the ground up. Yes. And so I always felt a little bit, it made me, it made me sad. Well, I was annoyed by it, frankly, but it also made me <laughs> sad to read scenes like uh, this one, which uh, in chapter 27, where Evelyn's like, I'm going to go out on a date with this guy. And Celia's like, you're being, no, you're not. You're not dating. You're not going out with him. You're paranoid. And Evelyn's like, I'm not. They know. And they're like, one article in one tiny paper thinks they know. That's not the same thing. Yeah. Where it's like, this, you don't realize the danger. And instead of, like, listening, they kind of... Yeah, and this is, like, this is kind of where I'm conflicted with Evelyn marrying other people whenever she's with Celia. Because it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, she has an image to maintain that she's worked hard for. And she's done things that she maybe shouldn't have had to do. And it just, like... Because Evelyn is not prepared or wants to come out yet. And it feels like Celia is, like, trying to make her a little. Mm-hmm. And it's it feels very weird and not okay. Another reason why their relationship is just not the best. Well, I think that, again, comes back to the fact that Celia and 
Evelyn have two fundamentally different experiences in the world and Celia is unwilling to give up her understanding of the world because she's too set in how it hurts her to understand mm-hmm. that it's not the same. Yeah. Um, so that's Mick. That's her... Th- yes. <laughs> that's her third husband. Yay. Oh, great. Fourth one is Rex. Now, see, these names, I don't remember them all. Oh. Oh, here's the thing. Oh, God. So here's a little bit, I think, that kind of exemplifies Evelyn's worldview. I was under no illusions how much it had cost Celia and me to be together, and it was going to continue to cost us more. It was like a tax on being happy. The world was going to take 50% of my happiness, but I could keep the other 50%. And that was her. And this life we had. But keeping something like this from her felt wrong, and I couldn't do it. And this is when... uh, she has to tell that she, like, slept with the guy she married to protect them. Mm-hmm. Which is the only reason she did it. The only reason that she yeah. eloped with Mick Rivera was to protect her and Celia so they could continue having a relationship without them being outed in the... I think this is the f- 50s at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's the 60s? But I think it's the 50s. Nope, it's the 60s. It's the early... Okay. S- or, no, nope, late... No, early 60s... Um, uh, in 1961, Evelyn has an abortion. Mm-hmm. And so after she has her abortion, she and Celia break up and they don't speak for five years. Mm-hmm. And she goes, the first morning as the sunlight shone on my face and I still felt exhausted from the trip to Mexico, I was actually okay because I had Harry. For the first time in a very long time, I felt like I had family. You do not know how fast you've been running, how hard you've been working, how truly exhausted you are until someone stands behind you and says, it's okay, you can fall down now, I'll catch you. So I fell down and Harry caught me. Hmm. Uh, and they had been together for three years at that point, And then they mm-hmm. went no contact for five. Yeah. And then she marries Rex North. What do you think about him? Do you remember him at all? No, I don't remember him. <laughs> There's like uh, a few that I remember, and it's her first one, Dawn, and Harry. Those are like the only ones I remember out of the whole seven. I think that's because Harry's the best one. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the other ones simply because of what happened with them. But I also mm-hmm. I found the I found the specific line that I was talking about. I hated being called a lesbian, not because I thought there was anything wrong with loving women, loving a woman, mind you. No, I'd come to terms with that a long time ago. But Celia only thought, saw things in black and white. She liked women and only women, and I liked her. And she so often denied the rest of me. She liked to ignore the fact that I had truly loved Don Adler once. She liked to ignore the fact that I had made love to men and enjoyed it. She liked to ignore it until the very moment she decided to be threatened by it. That seemed to be her pattern. I was a lesbian when she loved me and a straight woman when she hated me. People were just starting to talk about the idea of bisexuality, but I'm not sure I even understood that the word referred to me then. I wasn't interested in finding a label for what I already knew. I loved women. I loved men. I loved Celia. I was okay with that. Which is also the idea, mind you, that um, bisexual women are just bisexual for one woman, woman mm-hmm. and they're just straight the rest of the time, which is like, that's another thing. And at least Grey's Anatomy didn't do that. <laughs> at least Grey's Anatomy didn't do that. Um, at least well, it's like oh, throughout God. this throughout this book it's kind of i don't know i don't like the implications of it yeah what do you think of the name connor for their daughter it was all right you know 
It was... <laughs> what? I don't know. It's just like, it's okay. I, I didn't really have an opinion on it whenever I first read it. So I was like, all right, that's interesting. That's out of the box. Okay. 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 <laughs> John was the... I think John was the name of Harry's person. Oh, that would make sense. Oh, there's the, the little scene where they all go on like a little family picnic. That's very nice. It. I did like it whenever they were all in their little agreement. I think that was probably the healthiest thing for them. Um... Especially in the era that they were in and, like, not being able to come out and whatnot. Um, but I did like that scene. It was very cute. I think it is very cute. I agree. I think that's the best time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, well, want to skip to Harry's death? <laughs> yeah. So, Harry dying. Um, very heartbreaking. It. I did not cry throughout this whole book, which I'm a crier. Um, I'm very emotional whenever it comes to book and I will books and whenever like even if it's a happy scene I will probably cry because it makes me so happy and makes me sad at the same time Um, but I cried whenever he died it was heartbreaking Um, it was terrible Um, after Harry she marries Mm -hmm. a new guy wasn't one of them Celia's brother that's the last one okay the very last one uh so, like, there's, there's a series of letters between Celia and Evelyn mm-hmm. after Evelyn wins her something. Was it mm-hmm. another Oscar, I guess? Yeah. They're cute. <laughs> and, but Evelyn's like, I own all of our missteps. I was selfish and short-sighted. I can only hope that you have found bliss somewhere else. You deserve so much happiness. I'm so sorry I could not give that to you. I think that they were both terrible to each mm, other. They were both pretty awful. And then Evelyn yeah. goes... And then Celia goes, you are dealing in revisionist history. I was insecure and petty and naive. Yeah. You, for yeah, sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I blame you for the things that you did to keep our secrets. But the truth is, each time you stopped the outside world from coming into our life, I felt immense relief. And yet you were awful about it. Yeah. Just, yet you were terrible about it. Okay. All of my happiest moments were orchestrated by you. I never gave you enough credit for that. We were both to blame. But you were the only one to ever apologize. Please let me rectify that now. I'm sorry, Evelyn. Um. Yeah, you should be sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay, be sorry. And is this the guy that um, called her the D word that she marries after um, Harry died? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Max finds those letters. And it's like, oh, are you yes. going to go be a lesbian with her? And she's like, oh, I was going to leave you. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, you were going to cheat on me. I was going to leave you, I said. I think you know that. I think you've known for some time. I'm going to leave you, if not for her, for me. For her, he said. I love her. I always have. And then there's that scene mm-hmm. that I read earlier. Um, Did you ever... And then he says, did you ever love me? She said, yes, I did. When you made love to me and you made me feel desire and you look, took good care of my daughter. And I believe that you saw something in me that no one else saw. When I believed you had an insight and talent that no one else did, I loved you so very much. So you're not a lesbian, he says. I don't want to discuss this with you. Well, you're going to. You have to. Mm, I don't think so. Mm, no. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> and then they move to... Then Well, Harry's dead. She's married to Max. Mm-hmm. And then they... Uh... Oh, no. Harry's not dead yet. Sorry. My bad. Harry hasn't died yet in the story. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, they're in Spain now. 
Oh, yes. Here's what I remember. Now we're getting to Harry's death, tragically. Mm-hmm. I remember Nick breaking open Harry's car door. I remember helping to pull Harry out. I remember thinking that we shouldn't move Harry because we could paralyze him. But I remember thinking that I couldn't possibly stand by and allow Harry to stay there, slumped on the wheel like that. I remember holding Harry in my arms as he bled. I remember the deep gash on his eyebrow, the way blood coated his face in a thick rust red. I remember seeing the cut from where the seatbelt had sliced the lower side of his neck. I remember two of his teeth being in his lap. I don't want to read the rest of this. I want to read... No. Wait. Um, I remember how his breath and even his skin smelled like bourbon. It wasn't his car. No one knew he was there. I had to get into the hospital to make sure no one found out he'd been driving. I couldn't let him go into jail. What if he tried to for me? What if they tried him for vehicular manslaughter? I couldn't let my daughter find out her father had been driving drunk and killed someone. Had killed his lover. Had killed the man who he was showing him he could love again. Um, which, as a reminder, that's and then I dead. quickly grabbed a scarf from my bag and wiped the steering wheel clean, wiped the blood, wiped the seatbelt. I erased all traces of Harry. Well, you just committed a crime. Yes. Um, you, you covered up vehicular manslaughter. Uh, Jesus. Then she has someone, you know, the guy she's driving, Nick, bring him in. Mm-hmm. And then she pays him off. Oh, yes. So multiple crimes. All in a span of multiple a few hours. Crimes. <laughs> multiple crimes. Multiple, multiple <laughs> crimes. Uh, finally... She marries for the seventh time. We finally mm-hmm. got there. It's been a hard, long slog. We've struggled. <laughs> we've suffered. She marries Robert Jameson, who is mm-hmm. Celia St. James, whose real name is Cecilia Jameson's brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, obviously it's not married for, like, love or anything. It's They're marrying because Celia and Evelyn are back together. Yep. And, and they're um, living together now in Spain. Yes. Yes. So that's super funky fresh. I even started speaking Spanish again. I first I did it because it was necessary. There were so many people we needed to converse with, and I was the only one truly prepared to do it. But I think the necessity of it was good for me. But I couldn't worry too much about feeling insecure. I simply had to get through the transaction. And then over time, I found myself proud of how easily it came to me. The dialect was different. The Cuban Spanish in my youth was not a perfect match for the uh, Castilian of Spain. But years without words had not erased them from my mind. I would often speak Spanish even at home, making Celia and Robert piece together what I was saying from their own limited knowledge. I loved sharing it with them. I loved being able to show a part of myself that I had long buried. I was happy to find that when I dug it up, that part was still there, waiting for me. I don't know. I... She was 15 when she left home. Yeah. And she grew up in a primarily Spanish-speaking household. And then, and hold your horses here, Celia and Evelyn get married. Fun! Mm. (laughs) Uh. And then Celia dies, so. Oh yeah, for sure. And if you think it's it's anything but that, um, page 349. I may now kiss the bride, I said. I let go of her hands, grabbed her face, and I kissed her. My wife. Page 350. Six years later, after Celia and I spent more than a decade together on the beaches of Spain, after Connor had graduated from college and taken a job on Wall Street, after the world had all but forgotten about Little Women and Boot on Train and Celia's three Oscars, Cecilia Jameson died of respiratory failure. Cool. 
Thank you so much for that. <laughs> and then shortly after, Evelyn's daughter dies from cancer. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Um, so yeah. she's, like Harry, she's buried in Ferris, uh, Ferris, Forest Lawn. Yeah, and then, by the way, we get to three page 355, just five pages later, Connor's dead. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and this is what I was talking about, like, with- Wait, no, no, wait, no, that's, I lied. Oh. I lied. Oh. That's- 357 is when she's dead. Oh. 355 is when she gives a eulogy for mm. Celia's passing. So, mm. all but seven pages later. My apologies. <laughs> I should have been more better about that one. Um, and, like, this is what I mean about, like, whenever Evelyn said that she's lost everybody, because she seriously has, and it's it's not good at all. Um, so, we also have a series of really short chapters, as in this one's less than a page. Chapter 63 mm-hmm. is one page. And... She finishes it with, tell them Evelyn Hugo says goodbye. And Monique says, what do you mean goodbye? Don't say goodbye. When you, put all, when you put it all together in one narrative, she says, make sure it's clear that all of the things I did to protect my family, I would do every one again. And I would have done more, would have behaved even uglier if I thought it could have saved them. I think most people probably feel that way I tell her, about their lives, their loved ones. The man in the car with Harry, Evelyn says, the one I left. This is, of course, the most egregious thing she's ever done. But I'm not sure if I would have done the same for some, if I wouldn't have done the same for someone I loved. I'm not saying I would have done the same. I'm just saying I'm not sure. Harry had fallen in love with a black man. His name was James Grant. He died on February 26th, 1989. And that is how Evelyn decides to break the news to Monique that her father died devastatingly horrifically in a car accident and evelyn covered up his death mm-hmm. well not his death but the the circumstances of his death yes what a horrific thing to do <laughs> yeah what it's a, really bad what a devastatingly horrific thing to do and evelyn even warned monique saying that she hasn't even gone to like the worst part of what she's done yet and that's the worst thing that she's done and it's awful and then i think evelyn does show monique letters that yeah um, I, her dad left there we mm-hmm. go because <laughs> harry had proposed that he marry us he marry celia mm-hmm. because he, harry was married to evelyn and he's saying that james should marry celia so they can kind of have that same you know beard situation going on mm-hmm and then she, Monique, gets to read words from her father posthumously. I love my family too much to fracture us for even a moment of time. My daughter, whom I desperately hope you can one day meet, is my reason for living. That is heartbreaking. The devastation I felt re- reading that line. Yes. I had to take a break from the book. <laughs> I read that and I had to put the book down and I was like, oh my god. And that's the only reason why it was close to a four-star read for me, because of that twist. Like, that is horrific and terrible. But, like, I didn't see it coming. I think you mentioned earlier that you didn't see it coming either. No, I did not. I did not see it coming. Um, I knew there was going to be a connection, right, between Mm -hmm. Evelyn and 
Monique because there's no there's it's, it's, you, no one calls upon so they're obviously ripping off Vogue here right uh, mm-hmm. the magazine that uh, yeah Vivant Vivant uh, I read it as Vivant so I, I love that we have different pronunciations <laughs> in our head um, it's obviously a rip off of Vogue right uh huh that Monique worked for. No one calls them and goes, I will only speak to your newest puff piece writer. No one does that. Yeah. So I knew there had to be a reason. And there had to be a reason why she chose her. Other than, I like your writing. It's concise and to the point. I did not see Harry had an affair with your father and I covered up the circumstances of his death. <laughs> Didn't yeah. see that twist coming, honestly. Uh-uh. So, what did you think of the twist? I... I don't even it was just so much like like I said I had to take a break from the book because it was they said it and I was like oh my god like that is that is the worst thing that you could have done Evelyn good job for at for acknowledging that at least I think the thing about Evelyn that I, I think it's funny because didn't you write in your notes like I like how Evelyn doesn't care if she makes bad decisions as long that's why I said that I'm no. not gonna read that one <laughs> no but I want to say that you the book presents to you someone who has struggled and you see her mind working through how am I going to get out of the situation and you mm-hmm. find ways to justify her actions. Yeah. And even as you're, I, when I read the first part, I was like, oh God, what are you doing? Why, why are you covering yeah, up yeah. his death? At that point, I couldn't justify that. But everything up until then, you can see the logic, you can see the stones. Mm-hmm. With this one, no, I cannot. And then yeah. when Evelyn gets to the, the end of it, you have a truly unlikable narrator. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the, what did you think about the next bit? Because I thought the next bit was really the part that got me. So the end of the book is there's a photo shoot. Evelyn does this beautiful photo shoot. And then Monique says, please take care, Evelyn, I say. She reaches out and takes my hand. She squeezes it briefly and then let's go. You too, Monique. You have an exceptional future ahead of you. You'll wrangle the very best of this world. I really do believe that. Evelyn looks at me, and for one split second, I can read her expression. It is subtle, and it is fleeting, but it is there. And I know that my suspicions are right. Evelyn Hugo is saying goodbye. Uh, She knows that she sent her assistant person on vacation, and she has the feeling that Evelyn's going to end her own life. Mm -hmm. And she's right. Uh, And that's how Evelyn does it. She ends her own life. Yeah. Uh, Throughout the book, there are interspersed headlines from important times in Evelyn's life and and Cecilia James' career. And this one on page 382 is Evelyn Hugo, legendary film siren, has died. She died at the age of 79. Initial reports are not naming a cause of death, but multiple sources claimed it's being ruled as an accidental overdose as it appears to be contradicting prescribed drugs were found in Hugo's system. And then she says that Hugo has bequeathed the majority of her estate, save for generous gifts to those who work for her, to charity, the largest recipient appears to be glad. Then, the next one is Vivant's first, is the post by Monique, Mm -hmm. Evelyn and B. When Evelyn Hugo, legendary actress, producer, and philanthropist died this year, she and I were in the process of writing her memoirs. Evelyn Hugo was bisexual and spent the majority of her life madly in love with fellow actress Celia St. James. She wanted you to know this because she loves Celia in a way that turns in heart, that was in turns breathtaking and heartbreaking. She wanted you to know this because loving Celia St. James was perhaps her greatest political act. 
she wanted you to know this because over the course of her life, she became aware of her responsibility to others in the LGBT community to be visible and to be seen. And then there's the iconic line that is about all anyone talks about when they talk about you are the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. No, she told me because they think because they are just husbands. I am Evelyn Hugo. And anyway, I think once people know the truth, they will be so much more interested in my wife. And that's the end of the book. That's it. Mm -hmm. You don't really get to see the fallout of what she did to Monique. Yes. And mm -hmm. I know it's about Evelyn, but, um, but it was also know. about Monique. Like throughout this whole story, we saw Monique like changing herself and like getting stronger and whatever, but we didn't see the aftermath of what happened after she found out that first of all, her dad's sexuality was different than what she thought and that he was having an affair, which is a big and thing what, to find out. Yeah. And like what she did with her mom with that information, I would like to know that. I would like to know how that played out. I'd like to know how that played out, frankly. So uh, other than Harry, who's your second favorite husband? I think Celia's brother, because yeah, he was same. like a good father figure for um, Connor as well. Mm -hmm. So I did like him. Other than that, they all sucked. <laughs> um, but besides that, my ending thoughts for the whole thing were, I liked it. However, the second third of the book was super boring like nothing was happening and it was very hard to get through like i, I didn't mind I remember, it honestly oh. i think that i didn't like the beginning of the book because it was too speeded it was too sped through oh honestly see, i liked that i didn't i don't like <laughs> i one of the things that i really dislike and i think i mentioned this in our last episode about sir uh, madeline miller Oh, yes. I don't like time jumps like that. Where it's mm -hmm. like, and five years passed, and what happened in those five years? <laughs> what was going on? Like, yeah. we're like, well, we didn't talk to Celia for five years. Okay. Oh, and, and we lived together for a decade in Spain. Why? Okay. We don't get to hear anything about your decade in Spain? Nada? Nothing? Mm -mm. Great. Okay, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> um, what's your end feelings, friend? Um... Are there anything I like that got on your list? I don't think so. I think we went through pretty much everything. Um, but I liked I liked the book. I thought that it was a fine book. Um, there were a lot of parts of it that I disliked a lot. And I think it has mostly to do with the trigger warnings. And that it was written by someone who we thought it wasn't written by. <laughs> well, we were given the impression that this was someone who's writing about their personal experience yes. and it's not. Yes. Um but it was okay. Um, it did get that 3.75 rating, so it was fine. Um, I think the middle part of it being, like, super boring for me lowered the score a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because I just, like, I couldn't get through it. Like, I texted you and I said, I'm struggling. <laughs> like, I maybe contemporary romances like this, contemporary historical, is not for me. Or maybe it's the time period that I don't like, but I don't think that this book was for me by any means. What about you? How do you feel? I think there are parts of this book that you can read uncritically and just like speed through it and have a good time mm -hmm. listening, right? You can listen to the drama and get into that. And I think that's what I did the first time. But the second you start to apply any sort of critical analysis, I think that there's gaps and there's glaring problems that really don't sit well. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's hard. Mm -hmm. I think that the way that this book is presented, 
gives you a very different idea of what it's going to be. And you can still enjoy the book. Like, I think one of the things that I did say to my friend who <laughs> I have to talk to them about this, too, because when they were like, I was like, oh, we're going to be doing it. I'm really excited to be doing Evelyn Hugo. I think I liked it. They're like, no, you didn't. You didn't tell that to me. And I'm like, <laughs> but looking back on it now with a critical lens shows me a very different thing than I clearly must have experienced the first time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with changing opinions there. Mm-mm. Um. I don't think the writing is necessarily horrific. I will, I'll say that because sometimes I don't like the way things are written and the style is not great. I did actually enjoy the style. Me too. Mm-hmm. I will say this. Someone is suggesting a raging anti-Semite as their recommendation for an author in this article about the problems with Evelyn Hugo. Oh, gosh. And I think that's really funny. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's true that it's a... Hey, There's an article written uh, by Megan Phillips, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, written by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I'm begging you, Taylor Jenkins Reid, please write what you know. I bought the book for full price at Barnes & Noble after seeing it trend on TikTok, praised as one of the best reads of the year for its inclusion of gay, bisexual, and bi-POC characters. I was excited to escape into a book after weeks of nonstop schoolwork, but I was poorly misled. Misled? This is one of the most... Um, tone-deaf, inclusive books I've ever read. I know there's problems with the term tone-deaf in regards to ableism, mm-hmm. but this is what the author's talking about. They said, and for good reason too, unsurprisingly, Reed is straight and white. I believe that the main issue with this book is that it attempts to tackle too many subjects in which Reed has no personal experience or knowledge of, including homophobia and racism. She does tackle sexism, which she has presumably experienced, but it is, is inevitably intertwined with homophobia and racism, making the discussion of sexism fall flat due to the lack of sincerity in discussions about sexuality and race. In attempting to tackle so many issues in these limited pages, Reed reveals how little she knows about being queer and a uh, by POC, and this resulted in some passages feeling homophobic and racist. Not the book's mm-hmm. intention. Oh, but yeah, there's some interesting stuff written about that here. Um, and this one, they also do call it the specific line that I called out earlier. So that's Evelyn Hugo. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Yay. <laughs> Um, let's end this off on something a little bit happier. Um, what are your favorite queer books for Pride Month? Oh, God. Let me pull up my list, actually. Let's start with some <laughs> runs. Uh, let me start with one I read recently, which was Milk Fed by Melissa Broder, which is a Jewish oh, yes. LGBT. Uh, read the trigger warnings for that one. Genuinely do that. Um, please do. I need to actually pull up my spreadsheet. Oh my god, were we going to talk about... Did we mention your spreadsheets last time? (gasps) I don't know. Okay, talk about your spreadsheets, please. Okay, so I made a spreadsheet, um, and which made... (laughs) So also make a spreadsheet. I am nothing if not a stan of whatever you do. (laughs) Of all the books that we're reading this month, and yes... Not this month, this year. Um, and yes, Storygraph does do data and stuff, but it doesn't include the data that we want. So we created our own spreadsheets, and it is pretty much just the books we've read, the genres, the authors, our stars, if it's LGBT. I think Zoe has if it's Jewish. I have a section included in mine that is uh, if there's Jewish representation in it, because mm-hmm. I one of my goals was to read more Jewish representation. Mm-hmm. And also, one of mine is um, <laughs> if it includes smut, and also the oh, I beautiful, <laughs> and also the format. That way, we can make our own graphs and see um, what we read and like 
what the format was, how many pages, how many books in each month, how many pages in each month. It's super exciting. Um, we can post screenshots or something um, whenever we post this episode. But very exciting. <laughs> very, very exciting. Yes. What are some of your favorite books, friend? We can go back and forth. One, Perfect. I'll name one, you name one. Queer Principles of Kit Webb. I knew that was coming. I could like see it coming from a mile away. I saw it coming. That one is my favorite queer book that I've read to date, I think. It is so good. I love it so much. Okay. I'm going to show up with Cemetery Boys. Ooh, yes. That one is Mm -hmm. also really good. Mm -hmm. Um, I recently read Nothing Burns As Bright As You by Ashley Woodfolk, and it is really good. I thought that that one was amazing. I listened to it, and it was very poetic and lovely. I love um, that. Yes. Uh, my next suggestion is Honey Girl by Morgan Rogers, which we just talked about earlier. Love it. Yes. Um, Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. So Ooh. good. That's also one of my favorites from this year, at least. It is amazing. I read it as an ebook, but then... Shortly after I started reading it, I knew it was going to be a five-star read, so I bought it and <laughs> read it physically, and now I have it, and it's great. It's I perfect. <laughs> My next edition is One Last Stop. Ooh, that one's good. Um, I really liked Priory of the Orange Tree. I oh, yeah. liked that one a lot. <laughs> that one was good. It was a long read, but it was really good. Uh, mm. Last True Poets of the Sea, which we talked about earlier, which I thought was a cute, really cute read. Yes. Um, I, okay, I'm going to say This Is How You Lose a Time War. I really like that one. I know Zoe maybe didn't like it as much as I did. I didn't like it but, as much as you did, but I didn't hate yeah. it. I just <laughs> I was unsatisfied with the ending, which is different. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I thought that one was really good. Oh, we got a lot in here. I mean, we can't, we could go on about this for a while, which That's we will. True. We're just gonna continue doing. <laughs> yes. um, they both die at the end. Is a is heart little heart wrencher. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked a dowry of blood. I at first I didn't like it because it was a little bit too graphic for me. But after I sitting that with you it, said that. yeah, after sitting with it for a little bit, I liked it a little bit more. I just read one that was like it's such a fluffy book. There was nothing happening in that book but fluff. Uh, Satisfaction guaranteed. Ooh, I have that one. We bought it together. Yes. <laughs> that one's exciting. I can't wait to read that one. It's so low stakes. Oh, I haven't. <sighs> you go. Your turn. A pet. That one oh, was Oh, really I read good. that one last year. Yes. Very that good. one. Great. Uh, Dead Dead Girls. Ooh, yes. Told me about that one. Okay. I got to bring in Nevo. <laughs> oh, that was my next one. <laughs> um. There's actually two books by Nevo that I really liked, and I listened to them at the beginning of this year. They're really short. They're like an hour or two long. Um, When the Tiger Came Down the Mountain and The Empress of Salt and Fortune. Those ones were really good. And I'm going to offer up The Chosen and the Beautiful. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to read that one, too. Um, And I think that there's one more for me. I guess we could... Um, here, I'll just put this one. The Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics. I thought that one was really good by Olivia Waite. Um, you got oh. some scientists. It's great. <laughs> I have so many books on my TBR that I have to read that I'm like Me waiting to read. Um, I did just start 
another book that was recommended as an LGBT book. I haven't gotten to that point yet. I haven't gotten to the point of it being LGBT at this point, but it is the book. Let me pull it up. (laughs) Girls of Paper and Fire. Oh, I think I've heard of that one. Well, I started reading um, A Lady for a Duke. And so far, it is so good. I was looking for that one whenever I was in LA visiting Zoe, and we went to that bookstore, The Ripped Bodice. And it wasn't out yet, but it came out, and I got it. And very exciting. It's really good so far. Oh, I should have read the trigger warning for this book before I started. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, oh, no. no. Well, well, oh, you know, <laughs> hey, here's we wrote a note down. Apparently, a huge percentage of our listeners are from Brazil, which I think is just like it's a, a shockingly large percentage considering mm-hmm. for my own other podcast, it goes US, Canada, UK, US, Brazil. It's Love very it. exciting. I want to know who's, who's listening from Brazil. <laughs> you know what I realized? It could actually exciting. be a VPN. Oh. I'm going to pretend it's Dang. actually. I'm going to pretend it's not, though. <laughs> I think it's better if it's not. All right, y'all. Any last any last ending words? I'm good. Read a lot of fun queer books this month. Get into and the every month. Yeah, every month. Do it all year, every day, all the time. Just queer books. Okay, I'm one sentence you. summary of your feelings about Evelyn Hugo. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, okay. All what right. about you? <laughs> it's better if you don't pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> uh, Alrighty, y'all. <laughs> oh, we got to the trigger warnings in just a second. Okay. Nice. You yes. can follow us on TikTok, iTem Book Club. You can follow us on Instagram, iTem Book Club. You can follow Kenzie's personal Time Traveling Cowboy on TikTok and on Instagram, as well as Mac.jpg. Then you can also follow me, Soyakobi, Z-O-J-A-C-O-B-I, on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Fun. All right. On that note, Thanks for good listening. night. Yes. Good night. <laughs> oh. Bye. It's good night somewhere. <laughs> <laughs>